through many dangers, toils, and snares, and slippery, icy roads, you have come. So you get extra credit this morning. <laughs> Let us pray. From the rising of the sun till the going down of the same, your name, O Lord, shall be praised. Let this moment of speaking and listening be a doxological moment. Help us to dance with you, even as we come to know you in a deeper, fresher way. In Christ's name, amen. Borderlands of baptism. The heavens are opened. Prayers rise from the baptized. The spirit descends in bodily form like a dove draped in victorious Duke blue. A voice sounding like Charlton Heston or James Earl Jones rings out from heaven, claiming Jesus as a son, a member of the family of God and loved unconditionally. It's a new life. It's a new beginning. The wonder of water. Cue the angelic choral music, please. All of these things are true and beautiful and good, even as we've observed this morning. But something different caught my attention this time around. The Revised Common Lectionary Planning Team, those who put together the cycle of biblical readings for each Sunday, what we call the lectionary. Skip over verses 18 to 20. So the lectionary reading from Luke is actually verses 15 to 17 and 21 to 22. But this morning, we intentionally included what the lectionary excluded. It isn't always what or who is there that is intriguing, but who or what is not there that can be rich fodder for our faith. In this case, what we often neglect to see or what we don't often discuss and what the revised common lectionary skips is what's around the edges of baptism, on the borders of baptism that will actually help to give a fuller understanding of what baptism is. So this morning, I want to go to the borderlands of this baptismal story of Jesus and explore what's around the story of Jesus, literally. I wanna to go to the borders and see what and who is there because the borderlands matter too. Who and what are there should matter to us and the Christian faith. Just because some verses are omitted in a lectionary reading doesn't mean they aren't important to the whole story of God in Scripture. If we limit ourselves only to reading the lectionary, we will miss the whole counsel of God. And we will miss the borders around the baptism of Jesus. The borderlands are a part of baptism's story. And without them, we don't have the full picture 
and meaning of our own baptism. My first observation is this. The borderlands reveal the communal nature of baptism. On one level, skipping over verses 18 to 20, which you heard read, and was the part about Herod putting John in prison because he was rebuked by John for his evil deeds, can be viewed as overlooking of those who have helped us to get to where we are today and pave the way to our own baptism. The borders illuminate the community surrounding all of us and supporting all of us. Jesus didn't get to his baptism by himself. He had others, like his cousin John, pointing toward the way throughout his life. And this becomes even more striking if we look to the scriptural border after his baptism. Those borderlands include a long, long list of his ancestors. Jesus was the son, as was thought of, of Joseph, son of Heli, son of Mathak, son of Levi, son of Melaki, son of Janae, son of Joseph, son of Matathia, son of Amos, son of Nahum, son of Esli, son of Nagai, son of Math son of Matathia, son of Semin, son of Josek, son of Joda, son of Johanan, son of Ressa, son of Zerababal, son of Shealtiel, son of Neri, son of Melki, son of Adi, son of Kosam, son of Elmadam, son of Er, son of Joshua, son of Eliezer, son of Jorim, son of Mathat, son of Levi, son of Simeon, son of Judah, son of Joseph, son of Jonam, son of Elikim, son of Melia, son of Menna, son of Matatha, son of Nathan, son of David, son of Jesse, son of Obed, son of Boaz, son of Salah, son of Nashan, son of Aminadabab, son of Admin, son of Arni, son of Hezron, son of Perez, son of Judah, son of Jacob, anybody tired yet, son of Isaac, son of Abraham, son of Terah, son of Nahor, son of Serug, son of Ru, son of Peleg, son of Eber, son of Shelah, son of Canaan, son of Arphazad, son of Shem, son of Noah, son of Lamech, son of Methuselah, son of Enoch, son of Jared, son of Mahalalil, son of Canaan, son of Enos, son of Seth, son of Adam, son of God. Woo! <laughs> we might as well add that Jesus was a redemptive son of a gun. <laughs> Jesus comes from somewhere, some place, some people, and was surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses that brought him to where he was in his life and made him who he was. And the same is true for us. Our ancestors, our relatives, our communities lead us and support us in our own baptism. We didn't get to today without them. Someone passed on the faith to us and taught us, and we are because they are. Albert Einstein says, we eat food that others have grown. 
We wear clothes that others have made, live in houses that others have built. We are because they are. And if they are relatives on the border like John and the list of the ancestors of Jesus, then literally their borderline DNA is a part of our DNA. And they are in us and with us as we travel throughout life. In, a bo in the borderlands, there are people who can help us on our journey. But if we never pay attention to the borders of this baptismal story, we may never recognize this and think it's just about us when it really is about the entire community. So maybe we shouldn't just remember our baptism, but remember those who led us there and nurtured us on the spiritual journey. Those who, like us, are members of the one body of Christ. As folk wisdom tells us, don't forget the bridge that brought you over. And in the Gospel of Luke, that bridge is often found in borderline, marginalized figures who are outcasts, women, the poor, the lepers, paralytics, the crippled, Samaritans, lost sons, children, and widows. Luke compels us to see the borders and to cross them in the life of faith and to do ministry in the borderlands while expanding our own relational borders and boundaries because through baptism, there is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male and female for all of us are one in Christ Jesus. Observing the borderlands of baptism reveals something else as well, not just about the community. And this is my second observation. The borderlands reveal the character of our baptism. The borders of the baptismal story of Jesus, thinking about the imprisonment of John, which was skipped over, and the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness in chapter 4 reveal that there are risks associated with baptism. When you are baptized into the life and body of Christ, you will risk life and health and even be tempted. To be baptized into Christ means there is a cross to bear in the life of discipleship. However, there are some saints of a safe, sanitized religion who may try to put up a wall on the border to keep the truth about baptism out of our lives in order for it not to be tainted with the unpopular truth. The truth about those suffering in prison or dealing with temptation in the wilderness. On the borders of baptism, you see that life in the spirit isn't always easy or rosy. Sometimes doing the work of God and living the life of Christ will land you in prison, showing us that not everyone who's in prison belongs there. Sometimes life in the spirit will lead you into a wilderness and not just take you out of one. The borders of the baptism of Jesus offer lessons in the spiritual life and challenge us not to just want the good life, without remembering that bad things can happen to good people and do so all the time. The borderlands of baptism show us the hard truths of the spiritual life and the baptized life and what you may endure. Our baptism calls us to remember what and who 
is on the borderlands, the Herods, the Johns, the prisons and the prisoners, the ancestors, the unnamed ones we've forgotten, the temptations, the wildernesses. Studying the edges of our faith provides a fuller story of Christian baptism because it's not just about the heavens opening and the spirit falling and a doting father accompanied by a delightful bouncy organ postlude to send us back into our privileged lives. The whole story of faith when we pay attention to the borders of scripture and the borders around the baptism of Jesus includes not only water, but fire. James Baldwin's The Fire Next Time, The Fire Right Now, the fires burning in California, the fires burning of unresolved issues in our urban and rural areas. There is fire, even in the baptized life. But how will we know this if we don't ever read the borderlands, the surrounding borders of this baptismal story? The borderlands of baptism show us the burdens that can be a part of the Christian life. Just because you follow Jesus doesn't mean bad things won't happen to you. Because a faithful, spirit-filled life does not lead to so-called success. You can do good for God and still end up in prison like John or the Apostle Paul or Dietrich Bonhoeffer or Martin Luther King Jr. and more and more and more. The borders reveal that being a baptized Christian is not some sort of inoculation against pain and struggle. Ignoring the borders makes it too easy to think the spirit descending is all there is at baptism, rather than also including the necessary wrestling against the sin of Herod's political injustice in the borderlands. So reading the borders and the borderlands of baptism will show us what the entire baptismal life is really all about. When one is immersed into the death, life, and work of Christ, there is definitely great abundance and joy, but there is also risk and struggle. When one is baptized by the Spirit, the same Spirit that leads Jesus into a wilderness, one can't overlook, forget, or ignore the borderlands because the ministry of the baptizing spirit is most prominent there. The initial proclamation of Jesus reveals this. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The Spirit's work is among the poor, the captives, the blind, and the oppressed. In other words, in the borderlands. Jesus crossed the borders of heaven to reach down to us with God's redemption on earth. And he continues to cross over into the borderlands to do the work of God in the power of the Spirit. So that means baptism into Christ makes us border crossers 
for the gospel. Sometimes to experience the gospel more fully, we need to go to the borderlands of our own baptism, to the edges of faith. And when we go, we'll see that we are never alone, have never really been alone, but have brought a large community with us even if we wind up in prison or in the wilderness. The borderlands can be a blessing, are a blessing. And so I hope to see you at the border.